What's up guys, it's Cooper from the Backpins and today's episode is going to be a little different. Uh, I have some news with a heavy heart to give that a guy that I worked for for at least parts of the last three years, but basically about two and a half years, Jerome Robinson passed away last night. I got texted while I was watching the Sunday night football game or right before it and uh, yeah, this is heartbreaking. Uh, Jerome was a pretty big part of my life for the last three years. He was a guy I really looked up to. So today, I think we're going to start the episode with just kind of a little overview of some of the accomplishments he had had throughout his life and kind of tie it all back to what he meant to me as a boss and a mentor. So Jerome was 74 when he passed away. Jerome was from Nebraska. He's pretty proud of that. He always liked to tell people about that. He qualified for 11 national finals rodeos. He also created ProCom. So if you know anything about the PRCA, ProCom is basically the central entry system that they use, and Jerome came up with it. It really helped committees as well as contestants. Like I remember he would tell stories about his rodeo days back in the 60s, 70s, where you would have to stop continuously along the roadside, find a payphone, and try to enter. And if the line was busy, you were just kind of SOL, drove a little farther until you got to another payphone, and that's just how it was. So ProCom really has taken that out of the equation for modern-day pro rodeo contestants as far as entering goes. So that's that's a pretty big accomplishment in itself right there. But it doesn't end there. He's a member of the PRCA Hall of Fame, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum Hall of Fame, and the Bull Riding Hall of Fame. When Jerome retired from riding bulls. He got into the production end of it and has been very successful. He produced rodeos in Japan, Finland, Omen, Italy, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, and Venezuela. And he's basically been with the PBR since it started. You can look back at those old early 90s PBRs and you'll see Jerome in the arena. In fact, if you look back at the uh, wreck of Tough Edeman on Bodacious, Jerome is one of the first guys there. I think Cody's first, but Jerome's not far behind him. So Jerome's been there since basically the start. He's been an integral part of what the PBR does, and he's definitely going to be missed in that aspect for sure. Like I mentioned, Jerome's been with the PBR since its start, and whoever is designated to step up and fill his roles, his many roles, they're going to have big shoes to fill. This guy did it at a really high level for a long time. So my experience with Jerome, I worked for Jerome for all of 2019. For part of 2020, I had a shoulder surgery that kind of made it hard to work. And then I worked with him all of last year, and I, I have a lot of memories that I cherish with Jerome. Jerome was you know, my boss, but he was more than that. He was a guy I really looked up to. You know, he taught me a lot about just little things that I think people think are common sense, but they might not be as far as representing yourself and what what the work or the product you put out there says about you. Um, People are always looking at that. And like I said, I feel like some are going to think that's common knowledge, but it really, really resonated with me when I was around Jerome. Everything he did, he wanted to make it the best he could make it, whether it was something small that few people were going to see or something big, like crucial to the event. It didn't matter what it was. He was going to do his best every time. I really cherish the knowledge I took away from Jerome. Jerome knew a lot about the sport of rodeo and what it took to put on a quality event, but also just about life. I mean, Jerome was a very, very intelligent individual. You know, he was 74 when he passed away, but he could tell you 
what bull he had at the Valley City Winter Show in 1969 when he won it and how many points he was. You know, that's pretty impressive. I've been around people around his age that they couldn't tell you what they had for breakfast this morning. So Jerome was very smart, <clears throat> intelligent man about a lot of different things. And I'll miss a lot of those conversations that I used to have with him. Another thing I'll take away from my time with Jerome is is he was always positive. You know, whether it was a weekend where stuff was going to be really tough and it wasn't going to be very fun, Jerome always kept an upbeat attitude about it. And you can't deny his passion for the sport. You know, he really wanted the best for all these guys that are riding in the PBR right now and for bull riders in general. That's what he was all about. He was a bull rider at heart and to the core. You know, even if you catch him on TV wearing the headset, you know, he might not show the emotion on his sleeve, but a lot of those bull riders still walk up to him and they talk to him after the ride. You know, sometimes that's about rerides and stuff, but a lot of times, you know, Jerome's telling him what he thought and you can't fake passion like that. I mean, he was, like I said, he wanted the best for all these guys to the core. And that's something that really says a lot about who Jerome was as a person. And I mean, he always expected the best from you when you were doing your job. You know, he wanted it to be up to his standards. And sometimes those were not very easy tasks, but I learned a lot from those days, uh, from those tasks that you're like, man, like why in the heck do we got to do this? But it, it all made sense now that you look back on it and he was just expecting the best from you and trying to make you a better person. Occasionally when we'd be on the road, we would swing into his his place outside of Fort Collins there and him and his wife always took great care of us. I can't thank them enough for taking such great care of us when we did swing in and those times were always fun. It was kind of nice to be not in a work setting. So Jerome, you're going to be greatly missed. I said my prayers out to Doria and the family. You guys uh, have been a really, really important part of my life and I can't thank you guys enough. So instead of intro music today, I think we're going to do something a little different and we're just going to do an eight second moment of silence in memory of Jerome. So with that, let's talk about the last bull riding Jerome will have ever produced in Madison Square Garden, New York City. It was a really good weekend of bull riding. My goodness, they rode a lot of bulls. And, uh, you know, I think some people will say, well, yeah, they're on the East coast tends to be a weaker set of bulls. And, you know, there were some weaker ones, but I think the guys are just really coming out riding. I, that's what I'm going to take away from it is I think the guys are motivated right now. And yes, you know, that dirt too was a little bit soft, or I guess I shouldn't say soft, but you could see them really sinking into it. Like, like they said on TV, Webster said it was pretty sandy and you could see it if you know what you're looking at. I mean, they were definitely sinking into it and some of them younger bulls didn't know how to handle it, but you know, that's part of the game and it is what it is. The top five riders from New York City, your winner, Kyler Oliver, 263 and three quarters on three head. He accrued 235 world points this weekend. Kyler Oliver had a really good weekend, and I thought that this guy was capable of doing big things, but I didn't think it would come this early. He looks really good, and he's he's a fighter. Like, that guy, none of his rides really ever looked like he was completely tapped off. He just kept gassing it, never quit, and that, that'll take a guy a long ways. In second, you had Joao Ricardo Vieira. He was 261.5 points on three head, and he accrued 139 world points. You know, JRV had a good weekend. Captain Consistency, you know, just business-like. Just went in there, got the job done, 
and comes out with a second place finish. In third, we had Alex Cardozo. He was 258 and a quarter on three head. He accrued 106 and a half world points. You know, this was a guy he hadn't been on the UTB tour in a while, and he made a big splash. It's kind of the same thing as JRV. Pretty business-like, you know, nothing was super flashy, but he just got the job done every time, and that's the name of the game. In fourth place, Andrew Alvidrez, 175 and a half on two head. He accrued 76 world points. This is a pretty good showing for Andrew. I really like Andrew. He's he's a nice guy, and also, you know, you can see it. When he shows up, he's wanting to win, and I'm sure he would have loved to gotten that last bull road he had Saturday in the short round. But that's all right. You know, this is a good showing for Andrew, and hopefully this springboards him for the rest of the season. And in fifth place, Austin Richardson, who had 175 points on two head, and he accrued 73 world points. So this was also a good showing for a younger guy. I really like Richardson's talent. You can see it, and I think with some seasoning, this guy could be really, really good. And with your top five bulls from New York City, and first was Mezcal, Paradigm Bull Company had 46 and a quarter versus Dalton Castle. This was one I didn't get a chance to see. I don't know if it was just on my end or if it was on their end, but the CBS Sports broadcast didn't show this ride uh, on the broadcast that I watched. So I didn't get a chance to see it, but this is a bull I knew he was good. He's tough to ride, and uh, I knew he was capable of these kind of bull scores. And the second highest bull was Dennis the Menace of Viducic Bucking Bulls, 45 and three quarters versus Mason Taylor. This is a rematch from the World Finals last year in the short round. And this was one I did get to see, and my goodness, this bull looks like a serious handful. He does not look like one guys are going to really be jumping up and down to get on. He doesn't look very fun to ride at all. I mean, he just looks like a powerhouse. I mean, that's the best way to put it. He looks like a pure powerhouse, and we didn't even get to see much of him. So this is a bull I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on. The third highest bull score of the weekend goes to The Undertaker from Cornwell's. 45 and a quarter versus Mauricio Marea. This is a pretty good bull score for him. I mean, I'm impressed. Like, I like this bull. I think he's he's a good one. But sometimes he optically doesn't look overly good, but he uses a lot of power. And uh, he had a pretty good trip uh, this weekend. And that's good for this bull. I'm excited to see if this bull keeps this, these kind of bull scores up. Because if he does, this could turn into one too, kind of like Dennis the Menace. He's not the same style of bull, but it's one I don't think guys are going to be overly excited about getting on. And there were two bulls tied for fourth. The first one is Moonlight Party of Gene Owens, who was 45 against Andrew Alvidrez, and Riding Solo of Cord McCoys, who was 45 against Austin Richardson. Both these bulls had pretty good days. You know, 45, nothing to shake your head at. And uh, they had two pretty hot bull riders on them at the time. So they both got the job done. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from those two bulls. My overall thoughts on this event were I love seeing the number of qualified rides that have been coming out of these events for the first two weekends. It makes for good watching versus there's times where last year even... I can remember we'd be in the back and we'd have to drop bulls out of the short round because they didn't have 12 qualified rides or 12 riders with qualified rides, I should say. That has not been the case through these first two events. These guys have showed up ready to ride bulls and they're acting like they want to be there and they're motivated to win. My second takeaway is Lockwood could be unlocked. He went 87 and a half in round two. And if you watched him when he got off that bull, he was excited. He looked fired up. And that's the Jess uh, I've been waiting to see in the last two weeks. Jess is one of those guys, when he gets on a roll like that, he can be really tough to stop. 
So it could be one of those situations where it only takes one and he's back to rolling. Time will tell, but I was get, glad to see Jess get, on, get a score on the board. And like I said, I was excited about the passion he was showing when he got off of him. And my third takeaway is Oliver wins. And if you go back to the Indianapolis preview episode, I believe I had three bulls and three riders to watch out for in 2022 that weren't necessarily mainstream. And Oliver was one of my picks. This guy is really talented. He looks to be healthier than he was last year when he was going to these events. And the biggest thing I like about him is this guy ain't going to quit. I mean, this guy was in trouble multiple times throughout the weekend as far as on the back of a bull, and he doesn't quit. He's not looking for the way out. He's going to clamp down on that mouthpiece and keep trying. So this is a guy I'm excited to see how he keeps progressing this year because I think the sky's the limit for him. Next, I think we'll get into the fantasy portion of this podcast. A couple things I'd like to say right off the top is, What I've noticed with the rank ride scoring is bulls that buck twice is the way to go. You know, you don't know that going into a weekend, but you know if you pick a bull in tier one that's pretty much always a short rounder, that he's only going to buck once, most likely. The kind of strategy that I'm looking at taking is looking for bulls that potentially can buck twice that are still really good. I think that gives a guy a big leg up. There's still some really good bulls in tier one that may not be in the short round that might be long rounders but they can still give you 44 plus up to 45 and if they buck twice you're getting a huge leg up on the, on someone that picks a tier one bull that doesn't buck twice so that's something i'm really going to take more seriously in tier one instead of looking for the bull that can be 47 once 44 twice does way better as far as my personal results go, I was kind of middle of the pack this weekend. I, I was sitting probably pretty good after the first round. Five of the six guys that I picked got scores, and I had two bulls that bucked that had pretty good days. But round two was no good to me. My riders didn't didn't come out doing their job, and that's just part of the deal. But we'll we'll keep working at it. And some of it was I just didn't pick the right guys that I talked about, to be honest. Like, I didn't pick Mauricio Malea. I talked about him, didn't put him in my lineup. And it cost me. So some of that stuff is out of your control, but it was still a fun weekend of bull riding. My tier one riders, Cooper Davis, he won the first round. He uh, bucked off in round two. He made the short round, but didn't compete in it. I think they said it was something in his back. So that's too bad. But Cooper, you know, stepped out in one round one. And I thought he had as good a chance as anybody to make a splash in round two. Mason Taylor finished second in the first round, but he went 0 for 2 on uh, Saturday. So that's kind of tough luck. He had a handful in the short round. I'm not going to make excuses for the guy, but he definitely drew uh, pretty deep in the short round there. And Claudio Montagna Jr. went 1 for 2, did not make the short round. So I felt like my tier 1 guys, I had some solid picks. It just didn't go my way on day 2. In tier 2 riders, I did have Brendan Eldred in this tier but he didn't end up competing so chase outlaw went one for two didn't make the short round and cole melanson also went one for two did not make the short round they both stepped out and made good rides on friday just didn't get it done on saturday that's a common theme with uh, the team that i picked this weekend and my tier three riders chase doherty went one for two didn't make the short round he was the lone rider i picked in my actual team that didn't get a qualified ride on friday night Rafael Dos Santos went one for two, didn't make the short round. And the guy that I left out of my real lineup, Mauricio Malea, he went two for three and finished 10. So he did make the short round, but I went with Dos Santos over him and it bit me in the butt. 
For my tier one Bulls, Dennis the Menace from Viducic Bucking Bulls, 45 and three quarters. He was the second highest Bull score of the weekend. Highbrow Cat, Paradigm Bull Company, 43 and a half. This Bull, I thought the reason his Bull score was so low, and this is completely my opinion, is it kind of looked like Cravens was expecting him to go to the right, and he kind of really cheated over there. And this Bull felt that and then just stayed straights. Obviously, results are the only thing that matters, but I thought the bull rider kind of affected this bull's trip a little bit. Marquise Metalworks Coriolis effect from the Paradigm Bull Company, 43 and three quarters. Yeah, this wasn't a super great trip from this bull. I've definitely seen a lot of better days from him. And Moonlight Party of Gene Owens was 45 in the short round against Andrew Alvidrez. I'm really impressed with this bull. This is one that I like, and I'm definitely excited to keep seeing him buck. For my tier two bulls, the first one I had was at PBR on TikTok, 42 and three quarters in one trip. He's from the Paradigm Bull Company. This was just kind of a trip for him. I've seen better days. He still wasn't terrible, but I would like more out of a tier two bull. Bucking for cash, also from the Paradigm Bull Company. He was 44 in his first trip and fell in his second trip. So he was really good on Friday night and he got bucked twice, but I believe you don't get the points if they get a re-ride on him like that. But he was he was good Friday night, and he was going to be good with Cannon had he not fell. Outlaw from Cord McCoy, he was 43 and three quarters in one trip. I thought he was one that guy should really like. He was kind of snappy. It gives you a shot to be in those upper 80s, which them guys at that level, that's what they should want. And Theodore from Gene Owen, 43 and a quarter on Friday night and only 40 and a half on Saturday. Really off trip for that bull on Saturday night. He just wasn't kicking very much. And uh, I wouldn't expect that to be the norm for this bull. I think he'll bounce back just fine. And for my tier three bulls, the first one I had was Casper. And this is the one I used uh, in the game. Casper's from Gene Owen, 43 and three quarters in the first trip. And he ended up bucking again on Saturday. He was a re-round, uh, short round re-ride bull, and he was 44 in that trip. So two solid outs from this bull. If they keep him in tier three, I'm probably going to keep looking at using him. Next, I had Codigo, Fabulous Four Ranch. He was 42 in one trip on Friday night. Um, I'm not going to make excuses for him, but this was the bull Silvano had the incident with. If you watched on Friday night, he got into it with the judges pretty heavily the judges disqualified him and then Sean Gleason came over and overrode their decision. So I'm not making excuses for this bull, but this bull did stand in the shoot for quite a while. Grave robber of Miller and Halpain, 42 and three quarters in one trip. It's a solid bull. Maybe doesn't give you that super strong upside to be 44 plus, but he's a solid bull, no doubt. And the final one, Black Cherry of Cord McCoy's. He was 44 and a half in one trip. And this was also another one where my broadcast didn't show it. So I would like to see how he was. But 44 and a half is a pretty gosh dang good day for a tier three bull. And I think that'll wrap it up, guys. We'll be back later this week with a Chicago preview once the draw is out. Once again, my prayers are sent to Doria and Jerome's family. It was definitely a big blow when I got those texts last night, so keep them in your prayers and thoughts. And until next time, have a good one, guys, and come back and visit us again from the back pans. Mm-hmm.